Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1385, entitled ZG. (laughs) Very good, very nice. Our podcast is T Earl Grey Pod. (laughs) (laughs) And so we are talking about a couple of things today, including All of Us Are Dead, a new zombie television series. Mm -hmm. And in case we didn't tell you, I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the zombie thing would clue you in right away there, right at the start. Now, We're also going to talk about Season 2 of Picard. Mm. Mm. And that is the new Star Trek series. Well, not new now. It's an old series, Mm. but we're getting there. (laughs) Well, you know, isn't uh, Patrick Stewart like, isn't he like, well, actually, can you really say he's old now? Because this is Picard 2.0. Well, I know. It gets very complicated, does it not? I scarcely remembered that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll start out with All of Us Are Yay. Dead, which is another South Korean zombie series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have watched a couple of those in our time. Yes. Well, it's on Netflix. They're plentiful, aren't they? The Korean title is Chigum Yuri Hakunin. Uh, which translates to now at our school. But uh, in these parts, it's known as All of Us Are Dead, which I think is the subtitle to the original webtoon on which it is based. What's a webtoon? Uh, great question, Rob. So webtoon is basically just like a webcomic. And uh, so it's like your yeah, animes and things that, or manga really, that are available online usually for free. And in this case, through a website, a Korean website called Naver. So there's a lot of really popular ones. They're generally good fodder to be translated into TV. There's been plenty of webtoons, South Korean ones that have been translated into K-dramas or TV shows like this. Well, speaking of fodder, there's plenty to sink your teeth into in this series. It's got 12 episodes and it's on Netflix at the moment. It's just recently dropped. And there's no confirmation of season two at the moment. But don't worry, this one comes to pretty reasonable conclusion by all accounts. Now, we know that this show is not going to be to the taste of everybody <laughs> because <laughs> it is a zombie show. Mm-mm. But, you know, this is a, a pretty tried and true zombie trope, the zombie story set in and out of a high school. Mm-hmm. So it's actually in a fictional city called Hyosan. Ah. And so they've made a fictional city and a fictional high school, Hyosan High School, because I suppose they don't want to besmirch the name of any real high schools or cities in Korea. So, yes, this is a fictional land where we set our zombie chomping scene. <laughs> you know, it's probably along that train line from Busan to I Seoul. I know. 
<laughs> We've had a stray zombie leaking. Well, no, they do treat very closely the procedural of explaining how this particular outbreak has happened. And it's fairly dark origins, really, in a way. But from the minute I was like, oh, high school is a perfect place to set something like this because plenty of stairs to run around, plenty of hallways and such. Well, it's a quite well-worn trope, Anna mm. in the Apocalypse. I remember we reviewed that, that 2017 British Christmas zombie musical film. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's like high school girl Rika, zombie hunter, mm-hmm. and school girl Apocalypse from 2011, and, of course, the Japanese anime High School of the Dead, which has its moves, even if it is quite misogynistic and sexist and all yeah. of those Bad things that Japanese anime can be at times. This one is not in that particular league, I think, although there are some nasty things that happen, particularly to one girl student. Well, actually, I should say and. Those things happen to her. And it's not the main focus of the show, and it's certainly not treated in a salacious manner or anything like that. No, I think there's some definite themes running through here about some of the things they want to tackle around bullying and sexual assault mm. and different troubles that teens may face, but would probably a good juncture for us to just add content warning because there is probably some sensitive content that if any of that you don't want to watch that, then we'll just give that warning now. There is some of that included here. Yeah, but as far as... I know so far in the show there's no gratuitous bathhouse scenes, that sort of stuff that haunts the darker recesses of anime. No. Because this is live action too, by the way. Yeah, so live action and each episode's about an hour, so you've got plenty of action, 12 hours worth really. Um, And all of this is directed by Lee JQ, written by Chun Sung-il and also Kim Nam-soo is directing as well in there. And they've got some formidable credits amongst their show running and movie creation CV there in the background, like The Pirates, The Last Royal Treasure, which I think is actually on Mm. streaming at the moment. Mm -hmm. Once Upon a Time in 2008, The Package in 2017. This is between the three of them. Mm. And I thought that probably the one that we would know most would be Kim Nam Su's Rampant in 2018, Mm -hmm. which is a zombie production. He's been practicing. Been practicing. (laughs) The first outbreak. (laughs) So, really, the setup for this is really quite simple when you stop and look at it. We've got a guy who is now a science teacher. Mm who created the zombie virus in this. Well, he's Mr. Lee, mm, the mm. science teacher. That, that Let's make it easy for you. And he's played by Kim Byung-chul. And I've seen him before in some television dramas. I don't know which one, but, but he's very familiar looking. Uh, Sky Castle or um, Descended to the Sun or mm. Guardian, the Lonely and Great God. Mm. He's quite an intense actor. Mm-hmm character was trying to save the life of his son. Yes, they introduced that quite quickly. And this is what I mean. The opening scene's quite striking right away, I'd say, and they do the bit of the setup for his motivation, which I'm not sure I'd say I understand per se, but it certainly shines a bit of a light on the really dark sides of teenagers and bullying and how they treat each other. It has to, to do with a pharmacy company, pharmaceuticals company. There's always a pharmaceutical There's, company behind yeah. it, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. I mean, 
you know the character out of uh, the Big Bang Theory. You know that she's most voted to, you know, the one. <laughs> Bernadette. Most voted to be going off and working for the Umbrella Corporation. Yeah. <laughs> well, this guy, Mr. Lee, is also that man. Mm, <laughs> yes. He's really hiding out in the high school in, in many ways. He's sort of moved on to becoming a teacher, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and which is much to the misfortune of the students there because although Mr. Lee's son was patient zero, mm-hmm. it's a student in the school who becomes patient 1.0. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's not just going to be involved the high school, which, you know, you could actually quarantine and sort of close off and all that kind of thing, but they t- end up taking that student off to the hospital in the yes. city itself. And you start to see things where, how and where they're going to unravel for sure. I mean, I don't know about you, Rob, but the setup for him as a science teacher and the lab and so on, uh, my high school did not have a creepy, dark, poorly lit lab full of floating specimens. <laughs> and they really set up his like crazy scientist lab vibes, which look, I'm here for, didn't seem that realistic to me, but maybe Korean high schools have a lot of funding for such things. Who knows? Well, mine didn't either until after I'd been there. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you know, well, this is the story of multiple students from the school Mm -hmm. So we follow their little story arcs. And, you know, there's a lot of standard stuff in there. There, As you were saying, there's bullying, Mm. there's teen romance, uh, a lot of shyness that's sort of worked through in the course of the apocalypse, Mm. (laughs) which I think is, you know, kind of charming in a way. I I bought all of what they were selling in in that aspect here. Yeah. You know, look, normally I, I wouldn't be approaching a school series with any sort of indication that it might be something I'd want to watch unless there was genre content. Yeah. And I do think they do the coming of age procedural almost as well as the zombie stuff, because I think they do a really lovely job. The first episode, especially setting up the students and they do some great kind of faux tracking shots where they're dipping in and out of classrooms and showing what life at the school is like. And a little bit about these students and, kind of spotlighting straight away the students that we're meant to be following along with and rooting for. I think they do a good job of surfacing the characters that we're going to care about for this 12-hour, you know, kind of journey that we're going to go on. And they're all a little bit stereotypy, but I did like that you really feel that they've done a good job setting you up in the school and feeling quite invested. We're really following a couple of the students in particular you know mm-hmm. i think the main protagonist seems to me to be lee chong san yeah now, would agree he's a really likable student yeah you know? yeah yeah you want him to survive <laughs> i'm only up to episode 4 or 5 at the moment right and mm-hmm. i think Please survive because you deserve it. You're a good guy. He yeah. is. And, he, you know, you can't mention Chong Sun without mentioning Nam Onjo, who's his mm-hmm. childhood friend, but they have a bit of a love-hate relationship, of course. They walk to school together every day and kind of poke and prod and tease at each other but clearly have a lot of strong roots that they share. Uh, so they're probably our central duo, I reckon. And then I've got a couple of extra students in the mix. I think it's very interesting that, a lot of these students do have sort of best friends forever, yeah. or at least, well, <laughs> for wow. the extent mm. of the mm. time that it takes them to get bitten. 
And that's another interesting point. Well, we get to the procedural in a minute. Mm. We're still dealing with the characters in this. The virus, as usual, will uncover the seams in the society, both outside the school and within it. (laughs) You know, there are some class differences, Mm -hmm. and I don't just mean school class, (laughs) but actual social class areas in this where you uncover the fact that people who are on welfare are treated differently. Mm, mm, mm. But you know how it is in high school, anything that's different will be singled out. Yeah, absolutely. And they do introduce right away an antagonist very quickly that you're really hoping we get to watch get bitten in half at some point, and that's Yoon Gui Nam. He's played by Yu In Su. He mm. is the lead bully And really does some pretty off-colour stuff. Like, this isn't pushing in the mud. Like, there's some really twisted business going on and clearly just really horrible stuff. And so, I'm only very early in, so I don't know what his fate will be, but I know what I hope it will be. (laughs) Let's say that. Yeah, voted most hope to be bitten. Exactly. Absolutely. Unanimous, I would think. (laughs) Also alongside him, or used to be alongside him, but he's now an ex-bully, and we're meant to believe he's become a good guy, is Lee Siu Hyok, played by Lo Mon. I have him down as, but his nickname's Bear Sue, and he's kind of someone who used to be on the wrong side of the tracks but has tried to come around and make friends and not mm. be such a, you know, POS. Mm. So Look, we've all seen Squid Game, so we know what to expect here. Don't form attachments to any of these characters. <laughs> Oh, no. (laughs) But unlike Squid Game, they'll still be around. Well, in some way, (laughs) shape or form, won't they? Speaking of Squid Game, I'll just mention a couple of the others. We've got Lee Yu-Mi, who appeared in Squid Game in one of the pivotal and the finest episode, in my opinion. She plays a character called Lee na and she's a bit of a pain in the butt, but we'll see if she comes around. She's a very wealthy student, and I think uh, that comes through in her conduct in the crisis, let's say that. Choi Namra, played by Cho Yi-hyun, class president, who's a very quiet, surly lady, and she is Someone who clearly doesn't want to be in the role of class president and is a bit of an outcast herself. But yeah, she's an interesting one. Like I said, I'm yet to see what's to become of her, well, you know, personality wise and her fate physically. But yeah, she's also in the mix there. And there's a few other students around who we get to know a little bit, but I can tell already that they're disposable in the eyes of the show. Well, you know, they establish some pretty well-worn tropes occasionally with the characters like the bad girl is the one who smokes in the school toilets yeah yeah (laughs) i will really i'll mention and i don't think this is a spoiler anyway more something to look forward to there is of course archery is very big in korean high schools so we do have our archery team so you can prepare for some pretty cool entrances and scenes from them and some bow and arrow action which we always like to see Hmm. Outside of the school, we have various characters who are related to the school kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we've got fire, rescue, EMS guy, and the mother of our young protagonist. Yep. And she works in a restaurant. So, you know, there's all these sorts of mm. links outside. And you know that some of these people are going to try and get to their kids. Yeah. Yeah. As you would as the disaster unfolds. You've also got the mayor of the town, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Park, and a whole bunch of other people who are peripheral to that school action, mm. but who are quite important. Yeah. 
Yeah. In terms of what's going on. The detective. Mm, right. Mm. Song Jake. He's a Huyasan police detective played by Lee Kyu-hyung. And he's a good guy too. You know that he's one of these people. It's almost like, you know, if Brooklyn Nine-Nine were to respond to a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I, don't, I would hope that they would do as well. Mm, 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 mm. We've also got some teachers in there and some very interesting dynamics around the school's image and and so on and the role of students and, you know, the teacher's role and, you know, whether they're really going to protect and stand up for these students or not. You know, they kind of pull out a couple of, I mean, one teacher in particular. And there's some nice moments, actually. I'm Like I said, I'm early on and there was a few poignant scenes, I thought, where I think they're starting to set up some of the key tension in the series, which is around, you know, the role of adults in a crisis and, the fate of young people and whether they can, you know, protect or stand up for themselves or should they be expected to, that kind of thing. And some of the adults are just not trustworthy. Oh, absolutely. I, if I know adults, and I think I do, some of them are just bad eggs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> now let's have a track here, one of the big tracks from All of Us Are Dead. It's composed by Moog, who is – Actually, a musician called Lee Sung Hyun, and he's he's kind of named Moog because of his appearance to Mowgli in the Jungle Book. So, you know, upon such things hang composers and musicians' names. So this is from All of Us Are Dead. Now, this sounds very much like stressed out music for a zombie show, and indeed it is. This is George Romero, and I wouldn't be caught dead listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R FM. Yeah, Moog's soundtrack, All of Us Are Dead, now playing on Netflix, 12 episodes. Watched a few of them, enough to get a taste for the high school zombie show that it is. Mm. I think the motto of this... Hoyasen High School is happy students, safe school. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they're not happy, so I guess that explains it. <laughs> yeah, the zombie procedural in this I thought was excellent. Yeah, I would agree. I think the extra effort they went to to think about the zombie movement, and I think you mentioned this to me, Rob, the movement and the sound effects for the zombies just really elevated the the feeling of they're not just actors flopping themselves around a set. There's been some real effort taken to make the movements unsettling and it works well. Mm. And these zombies are runners too. Yes, they're runners, they're flailers, they're grabbers. There's a few things they can't do, which is, you know, fine motor skills it seems, but, yeah, they're pretty formidable. It's interestingly enough the, the high school itself is a character in this. Mm. It's a multi-level high school mm-hmm. with some of the levels connected by exterior walkways yep. and there being nice, reasonably wide window ledges too, which is quite handy so many times. <laughs> and the classroom doors have sliding doors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is this is a, a cultural thing in South Korea or does it just make good fire sense because there's no doors that open that can be jammed in, yeah. in those areas 
by somebody being behind them. But it does make them actually hard to barricade. Very hard, because imagine trying to hold a sliding door shut. Terrible. Well, I, I figured out the way I would do it. I would jam a table up against the inside of the edge. Like the, the runner, edge yeah. Of the door. Get it yeah. cropped. Yeah, I think that would be how. The only problem is, of course, they're classrooms, so there are windows alongside of that. So if you're trying to do that, then the zombies can grab you exactly. like break windows. Totally. And I <laughs> and I think this is this actually is a testament to how well this works because we're sitting here thinking about these practicalities. They've done the setup of the location so well and in terms of the movement, like the cinematography, the way the movement around those sets and around mm. the school into different kind of situations. I mean, a lot of these kids, and I think they've done such a good job of setting them up in situations where the drama can unfold inside a classroom and, you know, keep the action moving. But, yeah, definitely the high school is a key character here. Mm. One of the shots I remember particularly might be a drone shot because they do have drones in the show, or it might have been a crane shot or maybe both at Mm. some stage, but they rise up along the side of the building so you can get to see what's going on inside each class and then onto the roof and then they turn around and look down into the, the school grounds. Really nice shot, you know, yeah. just sort of thinking, yep, this is what we want. We want a nice sense of place yep. because we are in, in a pressure cooker, in a bottle, in mm-hmm. a single location there. Yep. We do have excursions. <laughs> you have to sign permission slips. We do have excursions outside of the school to fire station, to the restaurant, mm. to the uh, the council chambers of the mayor, that sort of thing. Yep. So, oh, and you may not have seen this yet. This is a good show to have pop culture sort of things to be brought into it. At one stage, there's a V-logger who is recording the events and he comes into the town from outside because he doesn't believe it all. Oh, like a vlog, like a vlogger you mean, like an internet. Ah, right. Well, yes. And, you know, you're seeing his feed, (laughs) in inverted commas, also the comment stream Ah. running along the side. That's a really good element in there. Yeah, yeah. For as, for as long as it lasts. <laughs> it's very smartly done, I think. And, yeah, definitely the, the, the way they set up the tension and really create that, that feeling, I think despite – I mean, look, I'm not that far in. I do sense it may get repetitive and I've seen some complaints about the show maybe being running a bit over long, which at 12 episodes of an hour each – already I can see, okay, whereas the premise is going to wear thin at some point. But in mm. what I've seen, the, t- the way the tension and the action's been moving and building uh, has been done really well. So There are lots of things that turn upon little things in this. Like, as you were saying, they make good use of the school. Mm. Well, it depends upon where you were mm. at the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, one of the things I really liked was that this is a zombie apocalypse where they did actually take time because obviously they're trapped in various areas and barricaded, the students that is, and you wonder, what are they going to do when they have to go to the toilet? So they do address that. They actually get into that. And this is a big problem for some of them. Mm. You know, they're teens, they're embarrassed, all sorts of things, issues and that. But the only people who don't have a tricky time of that are the kids who are trapped in the toilets. <laughs> of course. Well. <laughs> so, so for them, that part of it is nothing. Solved. <laughs> you know, they even have water so from the taps in the toilets. So go. no problem at all for them. What they don't have is food. Ah, well. And cigarettes. They do have cigarettes. <laughs> that's why they were there. You smoke enough of those, you won't there. be hungry. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, don't do that at home, kids. <laughs> anyway, there are, you know, kids who are stuck in the library on the mm-hmm. bookshelves, yep. in the kitchens hiding under the prep table, yep. Yep. in the science lab. Science lab would seem to me to be a good place to be trapped. Well, not this science lab with old mate no. who created this whole thing there. <laughs> Goodness, God knows what else is in that place. But, no, you're right. Yeah. And I think, again, they do a great job of showing these students in these different situations and keeping that kind of li- – like I think as well visually the fact they're all in uniform does create this sense of them all being linked and kind of automatically this community where you're like rooting for them and – you start to see the groups forming and the different roles come out and they make the most of the the visual opportunities for like masses of students in uniform, zombie hordes, all of that stuff. There's some really great shots. I think it's director-wise, like the directing in this, there's actually some pretty cool visuals. None of the boys take their ties off. <laughs> tops and I was going to be like is that our criteria now yeah no you'd think no. they'd be the first thing to go yeah, ties. I don't know <laughs> school discipline is strong <laughs> yeah so look you know I mean up until about four or five episodes mm-hmm. I'm still with this show so I'm halfway through more or less yeah, and yeah. thinking yeah I'm okay so far with it I think they're going to have to get out of the school at some stage and there's going to have to be a journey and all that kind of thing. And actually, if you think about it, this does track in a similar kind of way to High School of the Dead. Right, okay. There is a, yeah. a very similar setup in that, mm. only they get out of the high school a lot quicker than these kids do. But I'm appreciating the fact that they're stuck in there, that the what would you do in this situation procedural is quite good. Yeah. You know, mm. all of these ideas I think are working quite well. And even down to the why don't they just use their mobile phones to call for help? Ooh, well, yeah. there are many reasons to that. They set it up really well. Righto, this seems as good a place as any for our Bowie of the Week track. It's a cover of his 1980 Scary Monsters Brackets and Super Creeps, close brackets, from his 14th studio album of the same name, or the Scary Monsters bit at least. Rachel Garniers is the New York-based coverista from her 2020 album Gone to Glory. This is Paul McGann, the I in Withnell and I, on Zero G. Listen to me, listen. There are things in here. There's a tea bag growing. New York-based Rachel Garniers covering school eccentric David Jones's Scary Monsters and Super Creeps on her own 2020 album Gone to Glory. Scary Monsters is almost a go-to track for Zero-G in terms of horror and sometimes super-powered related shenanigans. And it's actually about a woman's descent into madness. Something of a touchstone for science fiction movies and television series too. It's been used in the Alien Nation soundtrack, the movie, and also in one episode of Flash Forward, and I'm sure for other venues as well. You're back with Rob Jan and Megan McHugh on Zero G, shambling through the hallways of Netflix's streaming South Korean zombie high school television series, All of Us Are Dead. I'm really liking it too. I'm not that far in. I dipped a toe in because, you know, I love a good Korean zombie romp, but I was surprisingly engaged. Like the first episode really had me hanging on and it was an immediate play to the next one. And I I suspect it's going to be one of those they have a cliffhanger, so you keep want to keep watching it. But I think the setup of the kids has been good. 
And, you know, I love, you know, this is what I think things like it and stranger things do well is it's more about the, the coming of age piece, the friendship against some kind of strange foe. If the friendship stuff is done well, I think that's one of my favorite tropes, one of my favorite types of content to watch. And I can see shades of that here, like the friendship elements, budding romance, I'm hoping, you know, coming up against adversaries and really banding together as young people. So that's kind of grabbed me. So we'll see if it can hold because I know I've got a lot of hours left, so it may lose me at one point. So we'll see. There were two moments that stood out. Mm. One is about a a baby. Mm. Yes, yeah, mm, I, thought, I can see oh, that. That's foreshadowing. That's that's strong. Mm. Oh. Yeah, good move. I've seen that kind of thing before, but it still worked very well here. And I made it sound like is it a like baby Yoda or the baby from uh Lone Wolf and Cub <laughs> or you know, no, it's just it's a baby. And another moment when one of the students is caught out doing something really bloody horrible. Oh, dear. And and it it made me think, Oh my god, no. And I thought, that's a good character move. You know, you get that sort of half in your head, you go, mm. that's awful. And then the other half goes, ooh, good bit of drama there. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think. I, oh, and, of course, there's a broadcast room, a radio broadcast room that features in this too. So, good. you know, we're there for that. Absolutely. As I was in the quiet place too when they <laughs> did that. You ticked it off on your bingo card of zero-G favourite uh, favorite yeah. pop-up tropes. I – Honestly, the zombie stuff, I really love it. Like, oh, it's disgusting. I'm going to say now, it's a, it is a zombie horror show. So it's foul. There's gore. It's over the top, of course. It's not dark violence, but it's disgusting. And I think, yeah, just the, the bone cracking sounds and the scuttling and, and the way, you know, the turning of the zombie, I think it's done well. I mean, it's nothing new, but it's pulled together in a really, a really nice way. I think that, um, yeah. One bit of procedural along those lines of, you know, these are the things we see in all the zombie movies. In this one, they're not, as in um, the movie version of World War Z, mm-hmm. in that the zombies weren't actually interested in eating you. They mm. just wanted to bite you and pass the virus on. Yeah. That seems to be what's going on here because you're not seeing any half-eaten zombies. Or no. there's Yes, you're quite right. I think it is much more around. And, you know, I've watched a lot of documentaries on coronavirus, so I know a lot about they just want to spread their situation and, yeah, that's as far as it'll go. So... And they don't want to kill, quote, unquote, that, that they want that zombie to then jump up and go bite more people. So so there's probably not going to be an uncookbook to be spun off from this show. That we know of. Yeah, I mean, who knows? <laughs> Season two. Who knows what they'll do? It's evolved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't know if there's a season two yet. There's thoughts about it. Netflix doesn't seem to have commissioned a second one yet. I mean, I think you got to start, you know, things are successful. And this was very successful. It got to number one on Netflix's top ten in f- more than 50 countries, including the US, which is a tough nut to crack. I think coming on the tail of Squid Game and things like Kingdom did help it out. But, you know, I think sometimes just because things are popular, it is nice to recognise when they should not be carried on just to capitalise on that. So I wonder if maybe this is one of those. But who knows? Who knows? Hmm. Well, hey, Kingdom got a spin-off movie. Yeah, it did. Kind of a prequel. So, you know, I must watch that. 
Mm. Well, do you think it'll get a, uh, a Screen Actors Guild Award like Squid Game? <gasps> oh, we can hope. <laughs> Some of the young actors, it's their first role, and I thought that was really yeah, sweet. There's yeah. a, a mix of like oh. of, of like <laughs> veterans and newbies. But, yeah, no, there's this quick sidebar. You're quite right, Rob. But two of the actors from Squid Game got SAG uh, awards, which is, is awesome. So, but yeah. not sure about uh, Maybe one of the zombies will get a nod. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, they're a dead certainty. All right, now we will have a track here to go off off the back of All of Us Are Dead, Mm -hmm. a respectable zombie television series set in a high school. Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying it as much as you can enjoy it. Yeah. And I'd give it a uh, (laughs) rating in the zero. In the zero G <laughs> line of yeah, no, or maybe. Mm. All right, so what track will we play off of this? Actually, I've got an English language version of the main title theme of High School of the Dead. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like all good zombie plagues, this will spread from country mm-hmm. to country. So we'll get on that, not the train to Busan, we'll have to get on a, oh, a flight to Tokyo. Mm-hmm from South Korea Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. go to the High School of the Dead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, stacking Z's on Zero G. High School of the Dead from an album called Geek Music. They do a lot Mm. of good little covers, those Mm. people there, with the English language version of Mm. the Japanese anime series Mm. main title theme all right i did that a little bit like jim kirk didn't i (laughs) (laughs) all right so we will get into speaking of star trek picard Ah, season two in glorious living color on amazon prime yeah how long have we been waiting for season two a little while i think actually centuries Although I don't believe you can actually watch it here on Paramount Plus in Australia because I believe it's being done on Amazon outside of the States. Yeah. Which is strange yeah. because that's been a massive spoiler for those of us who don't have Paramount Plus. Yeah. We, we, we can't watch Discovery or, you know, any of the other new Trek shows. But here we are. We can watch this one. So it's set for more or less in the year twenty. 20- T four zero one, which means nothing to me. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's the twenty fifth century. So you know, where classic Trek and I think Discovery were in the twenty third century, and Next Gen was mostly in the twenty fourth. Now we're in mm-hmm. the twenty fifth century. Mm-hmm. But don't worry about that because there's going to be time travel in this one. Yeah, <laughs> throw the timeline <laughs> away. Yeah, ignore it all. Uh, once again, this is created by CBS Studios with Secret Hideout and Weed Road Pictures and Rodenberry Entertainment, so Gene Roddenberry mm-hmm. there, uh, or at least his son and estate involved with that, mm-hmm. and it's created by Akiva Coldsman and Terry Matalas with Michael Chambon stepping back into the background but still there mm. uh, writing and being an yes. executive producer. Pulitzer Prize winning was... author, Michael Chambon. Yeah. Yeah. But this has 10 episodes in this season and I've watched, well, you know, I've started watching it. It's set 20 years after Star Trek Nemesis, at least initially. Uh, Admiral Picard has retired to his to Chateau Picard. Mm-hmm. He's had a lot of adventures in the first season. Yes. 
typical Picard adventures, really. He's <laughs> saved an entire race of synths, <laughs> synthetics. Just Andrew. a Sunday for him, yeah. <laughs> cyborg rights. Actually, that's a different I'm, – I'm showing my ignorance there. You've got robots and cyborgs and androids. That's very complicated. But they prefer to be called synthetics yes. in this case. Yes. And anyway, he actually is now one himself. Well, there you go. Timeless. Season one. We knew he was an yeah. icon. <laughs> yeah. But no augmentations, no superpowers, but everything works, according to Picard. And this season, I actually thought that we would keep journeying out into space a little bit by the end of the first season. I thought they'd be out there on the mm. La Serena spaceship mm. and doing all sorts of things. But everybody seems to have fragmented which allows you to get them all back together again. Get more the or less. gang but, back together, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Picard is back on Earth lamenting his existence, which is pretty ungrateful considering he's now a golem you know? <laughs> <laughs> and wondering if he missed out by always looking up to the stars mm. and never looking after himself. As he says at one stage, you know, it's all about duty for him. Yes, true. You know, the, he is full of honour. part of him that wants things for himself has to stand in line behind all the others. You know, it's very nice so speeches in that. So really there's a lot in this one about what does Picard want mm. out of all of this beyond his boldly going persona and – is there perhaps a love life on the horizon for Picard? Oh, oh I could yeah. hope so. He deserves love. Yeah, he does. He does. And he's no longer shackled by feeling guilt for Data sacrificing himself in Star Trek Nemesis. Good. So, you know, he's got a chance to get some Move clear on. skies of his own. Closure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other characters, of course, we are going to f- – Look at them who were in the first season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alison Pill playing Dr. Agnes Girati. You know, she was the one who was involved in uh, synthetic research. Mm. And she also murdered her boyfriend. <laughs> in the first oh, her, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Maddox. She's been on a bit of an extended bender well, since said. Yes, an unruly character. Although, since she works in robotics, not that bender. <laughs> so, okay. Now, uh, Michael Hurd playing Rafi Masika. She is still in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. She was Picard's comm officer and was with him earlier on in his career when he's helping re- evacuate the Romulans yep. after their yep. big disaster. Yep. Santiago Cabrera, you know, the bad boy, Chris <laughs> Rios. He's now a captain back in Starfleet. He was in Starfleet before. Now he's captain of the Stargazer. Uh-huh. Now, that ship is important in Picard's lineage in his own back career. Mm -hmm. This, of course, is a more updated one, but, you know, it has memories for him. Right. Uh, His old ship, the La Serena, still is crewed by holograms of himself. What an ego. (laughs) (laughs) But it's captained by Seven of Nine. Jerry, yeah, Jerry Ryan still doing her Fenris Space Ranger gig out there, saving the frontier. And Evan Evagoria is still playing Elnor, the Starfleet cadet now, Mm -hmm. the first fully Romulan one. I just cannot help thinking of him as an elf. Elnor the Elf. He even has an elf's name, yeah. you know. And he doesn't seem to have taken that nasty sword of his 
into the academy. That's sitting in Picard's chateau mm. and stand. But I'm sure he'll get that back. <laughs> I can just see it now, you know. Oh, I bought you this. Yeah, Chekhov's sword, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well done. Not that Chekhov. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. We are also going to see in this, and it's on the poster, so, you know, uh, the Borg Queen, not being played by any of the other previous Borg Queens, mm-hmm. but this time by Annie Wershing. And we'll probably also see Brent Spiner turn up again as one of right. the rather large Nunian Soong clan who built the Data robot mm-hmm. originally. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, so there's all of that still to to play out again. Basically, the storyline begins with a muff, a mysterious unknown force. Uh, oh. <laughs> Uh, that's what we call it, you know, like MacGuffin, and it's how it works. Yep, love uh, it. An anomaly in space. Oh, it's always an anomaly in space that has to be investigated, no doubt. Yes, because <laughs> when the stargazer encounters it, they decode transmissions from it, and the transmissions basically say, "Help us, yes. Picard." Never translate the transmissions. <laughs> that's it. No, do not read from the book. (laughs) So it's all on again for Picard. He's got to get out there and out amongst the stars once again. Now, I thought that one of the great things about season one, although it had many other themes, Mm. one major one definitely was that it allowed us to reconnect with characters from the next generation era of Star Trek. Yeah. Will Riker, Deanna Troy, Mr. Data, Hugh the Borg, and also with a popular edition of Jerry Ryan 7 of 9 from Star Trek Voyager. Mm -hmm. And that feeling of it being both nostalgic fan service, which it did very well, and perhaps being a long-awaited proper coda to Star Trek. Yes. Because I don't think we ever really felt that we got that with Nemesis. Yeah, there was no real closure or feeling Mm. of nice finality. And I didn't know that I needed that. Mm, mm, mm. (laughs) Until years later and along comes Picard. So in season two, they're still leaning into that. Mm -hmm. And again, this is all well known, with a still mysterious Guinan turning up again. Right, okay. With her detachable hats, (laughs) like the saucer section of the Enterprise. Yeah, she's still tending bar. (laughs) And the extremely powerful and dangerous and mischievous trickster entity known as Q. Ah, yeah. So Whoopi Goldberg and John Delancey back again. Mm. You know, how can you resist that? I can't. This is very, I mean, yeah, I I hesitate to use the word fan service because in a way I think it is. You're right, it's picking up where it left off in a way, in a way that's Mm. nice to see some people being able to return to these characters. Mm. So far, they've not pursued very far down the track that this is Picard 2.0, so with his consciousness downloaded into a synthetic body. Now, that's the whole thing that you could open up. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they go in that respect. The first episode is quite action-packed, mm-hmm. as you would expect. Yeah. But it's also got that lovely sort of fireside chat. Nice. Cozy vibe as well. Yeah. Yeah, speeches at Starfleet Academy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does feel cozy. It feels comforting, actually, yeah. in the times that we're living through. It's nice to know that the Federation – will exist one day in the Star Trek universe. It's something to aspire to, you know? Yeah. 
that's what it's about for me, I think. It's mm. always been that way with Star Trek. I'm really pleased that this one is not sort of stuck away on Paramount Plus because that's a whole thing to consider too. I'm running out of resources, time and money to watch all these streaming services. Yeah. No. Yeah. That is a problem. Yeah. No. So, it's, it, you get quite stretched and I think – you know, sometimes the more that come up and then our content's going to be spread across too because rights will change, deals will change. And sometimes these shows do mean a lot, especially when you're going through a time when you need to come see some familiar faces. Yeah. And this is actually the first one that's broken from that. Not Picard because I can watch that, but it's like, all right, so in my life there have been several shows that have that have been like touchstones. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And so like Star Trek in all of its incarnations, Doctor Who. Yep. You know, a few things like that. And then everything else. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> this is zero G cause, and everything else actually is vast. It's a it's lot, like a right? cube or a Death Star compared to those two, even as big as they are. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like to be able to access them. And if it's if there are walls put in place of that, it's, yeah. you know, yeah. it's difficult. I feel if there's things we return to. I feel that way about Buffy. I need to be able to access Buffy at all times if needed. Uh, it's like mm. my break glass for, you know, the fire axe. It's That's my fire axe. <laughs> break glass in case of emergency. Yeah. <laughs> Now, with these sort of beloved shows, uh, a lot of them will stand or fail on how they access the past. Mm. In Star Trek's case, often, and Doctor Who, often literally going there. And that's what this show in this season two, Picard, is going to do. There is a time mm-hmm. travel mm-hmm. element to it, and it looks to me like uh, some alternate universe as well. So I did enjoy the episodes I've seen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep watching it, of course. Yep. I'm much more invested in it than I was in the Foundation series, yes. which was a big disappointment to me. But this one, so far, so good. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is why we call today's podcast T, Earl Grey Pod. <laughs> <laughs> so just to go with that. Yeah. All right, that's about it for Zero G for today. Mm-hmm. And I think we shall go out with the basically we're going to go out with the main title theme from star trek picard so this is yeah you know jeff russo Mm -hmm. once again kind of riffing off that little um flute tune that he did with yes the little uh, late motif what was the episode go geek uh the inner light All right. Well, that's it for Zero G. Joe Brunetic coming up next with Astral Glamour. Thanks once again to our podcaster, Kayla Larson. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. G'day. This is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast at Triple R's Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.